You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimal of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! And I didn't want to just move for three months and then have to go back because I got like no visa. So that was basically all right. Sign up for some school and then you get or 90 day fiance. <laughs> K1 yeah, visa. That well, that's the modern version. This is back in the day when people actually had to do something to come here. <laughs> that's what my grandma always whispered like. Find a nice Jewish doctor. (laughs) He can take care of you. And then this guitar thing will be fine. (laughs) Hey, welcome to another episode of 2020. My name is Corey Pays. I'm here as always with Siobhan Cronin and Benny Goodman. What's going on, guys? Hey, Corey. Hey. Hey, guys. Good to see you. It's good to see you, too. I think we're all like kind of (laughs) just... Like hiding under our hats because Ben, Ben always, you know, is looking. Well, very... we've been we, we... like in total work mode because we're trying to finish. <laughs> yeah, up, it was like, like we're for at our that sponsor Lost Symphony Chapter Three. We're releasing uh, a record ch- Chapter Three. So if you first off haven't subscribed to two zero two zero dash D, go to lostsymphony.com and buy everything because Chapter Three is on its way and it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I was going to say we've reached reached that point in the production process where we're all just kind of in our own scary realm. <laughs> Yeah, no, I decided to be mysterious today. I figured that, like, I, that this way I could, like, look blown out to cover up all, like, my, the lack of fractal lasering. And then this side would be, like, the dark side of the moon, and all you can hear is screaming. Just like when they went up to the moon and didn't even want to tell NASA that they were hearing anything because it was so fucking bizarre. They're like, they're not going to believe us. Did you know that? Well, okay. Let's get to what we're going to talk about in this episode, which is our incredible guest, Shanique Kimmelman. Um, originally from Israel, she plays with uh, Cirque du Soleil. She has a really cool story about coming to the U.S., going to Berkeley, moving out to L.A., Las Vegas. So a lot of really interesting tidbits about what it's like yeah. to, you know, make a huge yeah, change in your music career. Well, you fucked up how I was bringing it around because Shani is actually Sanskrit for Saturn. So we were talking about uh. space. So I just thought you should know that. It also means marvelous in Hebrew, which is what... She's from Israel, so Shin Nud Nun Yud is how you pronounce uh, you you spell it. Excuse me. So it's Shani, even though it's spelled Shani Kimmelman, it's Shani. It's, it's good right. to know. Well, I'm but... sorry for cutting off your story. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's some really cool stories. She's made some pretty drastic life choices that I think a lot of people would be afraid to make. So it's interesting to hear her thought process behind that, and you know her experience going to music school, and then uh, ultimately ending up out in Vegas. But we'll let her tell that story. Can we just get right to the the, the meat and potatoes, uh, the, the kosher meat and potatoes? Uh, we're here with Shani Kimmelman, the one, the only shredder extraordinaire, Shani Kimmelman. Subscribe. Hi, this is Benny Goodman, and I'm here with Siobhan Cronin. Hello. And Corey Peza. Hey. And a very special guest, Shani Kimmelman. 
She's Yay! waving. She doesn't realize that some people just listen to this. Like my mom doesn't want to watch me do this. So she. I'm here. I'm here. Hi, everyone. Welcome. <laughs> I just wanted to make Shani as totally uncomfortable from the very beginning as humanly possible. You Welcome already to- made me uncomfortable by being so like demure. I don't know what you're normally like bombastic in the opening and you're like really chill today. So I'm wondering what's what's well, waiting this for is us out later. For 2021. So I wanted to 2020 people by them okay. th- expecting something. But mo- uh, but expectation is the mother of disaster. <laughs> so you're projecting your New Year's resolution to be slightly more. Oh, I have no resolutions. <laughs> <laughs> my only resolution is to stop making new year's resolutions and i think that was my re- resolution a few years ago and last year was the first time i actually stuck to that resolution <laughs> to stop okay all right interesting <laughs> all that said we are so lu- we are so so lucky to have shanique kimmelman who kind of serendipitously uh delivered herself uh, to my inbox on Facebook, which sounds so horrible. But um, <laughs> Shanique, can you tell people how like we found each other? Uh, so basically, I heard uh, I heard about Lost Symphony uh, back in September or October. Uh, I think like a couple of months before you guys released the chapter two, and I got to hear from. Uh, <laughs> David Abrizis, that's how you pronounce uh-huh, yeah. it. Yeah. Took me 25 years, but it's David Abrizis, you're correct. Right. <laughs> and so, you're not even you're not even from America. We'll get into that. <laughs> America. Uh, from him uh about like uh because he took part uh in a track. So I got to hear that from him two months before it was released, and I was blown away. And then I just like happened to say happy birthday to Benny on his birthday, and he sent me the link to Lost Symphony. So that was that was your mistake. You you made <laughs> you made contact. The crazy <laughs> part about that was it was I think four years to the day that David Abruzzis did the exact same thing. So people were like, "How do you get these people to play with you?" They well, wish you David happy birthday. wished me happy birthday, and I was like, "Oh, I got him." <laughs> and then Shani messages me and she's like I, I really like your band I'm like oh do you and I go and like look her up and so everyone knows because Shani may not be a household name despite the fact that she absolutely should be um, plays for Cirque du Soleil Michael Jackson is one of the most killer guitarists I've seen I want to say female guitarist but I feel like that's obnoxious and Siobhan you can tell me like you know <laughs> female violinist like you're one of the best female Violinist. I mean, yeah, if you say it like that, it makes it sound like it's a separate category. <laughs> yeah. Well, but... for guitar, there's many guitars going accurate. It is a separate category. Because <laughs> there's like Neely Brosh, who, by the way, is your fucking roommate. Yeah. So is. like, what the <laughs> fuck? It's like, what? first off, what's in the water in Israel? And why are there like the two best shredders on the planet that are female living together? And what are you planning to do? Well, that happened to me to be like like that, totally by accident. Uh, we have lots of like coincidences, me and Neely. So it had happened to be that um, I was living here in like uh, I was living in a hotel like for a long stay when I first moved to Vegas because they just like put me there, and then I had to leave there and kind of find my own place when I just moved. From LA, so I um, 
I don't remember. I think I accidentally texted her kind of like the happy birthday to Betty. And uh, before I know it, I got That's like, the catalyst for everything. Like, hey, happy birthday so leads to everything. to leave in Vegas. And uh, how do you have a child? Happy we birthday. We just found this house. And like two days later, you know, we are roommates. So can we take it back a little bit for, for people that might not be familiar with you? Uh, so you were born in Israel? Yeah. And so when did you come? Wait, that's a crazy over- accent. I've been like hitting on the girls that sell the dead sea salt forever. And I'm always like, are you from Syria? And they always <laughs> throw things at me. So oh it's, it's an Israeli accent. It is. Yeah. I thought you kept saying a to me on the phone. I thought you might be Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. So what inspired your, uh, your move over to the States? Well, I wanted to be a guitarist here because there's not much to do with that in Israel. Like, it only goes so far, um, especially like in the rock and metal scene. So I really wanted to do it here. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like be where all my guitar heroes were, you know, which is L.A. So wait, you just like went from Israel? to LA because your guitar heroes are there. Can, can everyone take a moment here and, and realize how far away Israel is from the United States and how small this young lady is. The fact she could she could barely get onto this call, but yet she got onto a plane because she wanted to rock and roll and be like her idols in LA. No, but before, for the world. I mean, that's incredible. And like, yeah, you have such an amazing story, which I hope, you know, we'll be able to, you know, show to everybody. But I want to hear even before you came to the United States, like what it was like growing up in Israel. And, you, you know, you mentioned there's you can only go so far. That's really interesting to me. Is it is there not a lot of interest in rock music among people and students or is it that there aren't a lot of opportunities? Like, what do you feel was the limitation with like developing a career there? Um, It's basically uh like. I'll answer both your questions like at the same time. So basically it's like LA, but on a way, way smaller scale. Like take all of, I don't know, West Hollywood and where everything happens. um, And you just like put it in kind of like, I don't know, Van Nuys, like all together, you know, that's kind of it, you know, but like the, the food is the same, weather is pretty much the same, and like no fires. We don't have fires <laughs> there. That's the but like rock is not part of the culture like it is here. And it's not like it's different type of music, not something that I personally really like was interested in. You weren't down on Ben Yehuda Street in Jerusalem, totally getting your dance on to some of the EDM DJs down there in Yerushalayim? I don't know if the EDM, but I did hang there for a little bit. Of course you did. So that's interesting. So how what what sparked your interest in rock music or playing guitar specifically? Because that's so, you know, I mean, for us here, we have access to like almost everything. You know, every city, even small cities, there's rock music, there's some classical music. So how did you get exposed to it and what made you pick up the guitar? Well, I had a few friends who kind of like introduced me to Megadeth and Tool and Children of Bottom. Yes. And <laughs> then he's wearing his Megadeth right now, shirt. Just yeah. so I know, because I know that we both love Megadeth, so I was sucking up. <laughs> yes. And um, so that's when I really want to play guitar, like at that point. And a little bit before that, I, I accidentally like got to know Fear Factory and uh, 
a month, a month, I think. Uh, just like totally by accident. And I didn't know like metal is a thing or, you know. Well, I have to ask you. So Fear Factory, for those that don't know, <laughs> is a very extreme metal band. Um, they're awesome. I love Fear Factory. But like, I, they're one of those bands that you'd want to see people online having a reaction to. What was your reaction like when you were living in Israel the first time you heard Fear Factory? And what was the song? Because I, I just want to envision little Shani. Uh, sitting there in uh, Israel and the motherland listening to Fear Factory because Burton C. Bell might cause some havoc. Um, I don't remember which song it was. I really don't. Um, but I was like, oh, wow, that's so cool. And I'm going to download like all of their albums. Sorry, like downloading is a thing in Israel, like especially. Or everywhere. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, <clears throat> So I just, uh, that was like, at least back then, that was my way to also like listen to new bands, you know, because they wouldn't bring all those CDs to the record store when there were record stores. Were you already playing guitar at that point? No. Um, so only when I started listening to a lot to Megadeth and uh, all those bands, um, that's when I wanted to play guitar. And I asked my parents like, Give me like an electric guitar mm -hmm. and it took me like a year to convince them to actually like get well, me is that, isn't that part of like the jewish culture because i know that when i was growing up and, and i'm an american jew but like if you want anything from your parents you have to like yell at them have a few fights cry a bit <laughs> them yell at you you have to have guilt there needs to be involved like usually a family friend or third party omniscient and then when one of you has finally either been totally beat down into admitting that the other one was right from the get-go that's when you win the battle and i feel like even when you walk into the bank in israel you're like i want to take out 20 bucks and they're like nah and you're like but i but that's my money okay like how was is it like that with your parents I repeat the request or the question or whatever it is until I get the answer I want. And Whoa. that's it, whoever gives up first, you know? So it took them a year. Just... It's a good method. Just, so just low is just a, is a, just a segue to Kane. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they eventually got you a guitar. Did, you, did they also get you lessons or how did you actually learn how to play? Yeah, it was like that. They were like, yeah, we wouldn't get you an electric guitar because it's expensive unless you take lessons. But we... Fair. And then it was, uh, my dad is a musician, so he wanted me to study with his friend, uh, who's like a super, super hardcore jazz guitarist. Wow. And I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, and his friend was like, well, I'm not going to take money from you. And my dad was like, well, I'm not going to um, let you do that for free. So they were like arguing like that for a few months. What? Then, that's a, that's a, so much what arguing. What a Jewish problem. <laughs> <laughs> I want your child to learn from you. Okay. Well, I want to pay you. No. Well, I can't do it if I don't pay you. And then meanwhile, you're over here not learning guitar. <laughs> that that was like that for a little while. But until I started, like I actually started been like about a year i think and that's it and i started taking lessons um with a teacher he wasn't like rock and metal or anything like that so he actually like taught me jazz too wow you so know jazz was your chord? 
Yeah, I was going to ask it. Was that your like early training was jazz or did like what style of guitar lessons did you end up taking? Yeah, and I only got like a uh, nylon string, you know, like a uh, classical guitar. So uh, it's a good starting. That's a good starting. Point, no, that's though. that's the best yeah. way. That's like literally telling people that they should start with like P90X first before you go to Planet Fitness. I had to like show my parents like that I'm sticking to it before yeah. like they get like an electric one. And then so I played that for like a year and I played like a bunch of jazz standards. Yeah, pretty much like the whole real book on Oh. That's so. That's funny you say right. that you you, wow. you started with jazz because most of the people that we've spoken with start with rock and then they go to jazz. Uh, myself included. In fact, jazz mystifies me. Whereas I think that that's really interesting that you started with jazz, especially considering that in Israel, you know, obviously you're very limited as far as like you can't just go and say, "Hey, can you teach me the Van Halen stuff?" It's like, no, you're going to learn jazz. Like, do you feel like that's really helped your playing? Guitar playing, no, but like my musicality or whatever you call it, like probably just the theory, the understanding what I want to do with guitar, you know, like technically, no, I still had to like practice some sweeps. It doesn't help me like to know what chord I'm playing and what notes. Yeah. So the technique came separately, but the actual theory and knowledge from the jazz has helped out. Yeah, it was super weird. It was like super weird. Yeah, that's that's so unusual. That's incredible. But so I read that you you went to Berkeley eventually. So how how did you go from Berkeley early School guitar, of Music Berkeley in School Boston? Music. Yes. Yeah. So how did, how did that happen? So I basically I was like getting up one morning and I was like, okay, I'm moving to the states. I don't care. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's incredible. And. Wow. And then I found out Berkeley are auditioning for scholarship a couple weeks later. So that was my basically my only way to even like take a first step because mm. I had like no money to, you know, pay tuition. That's like crazy amounts in like Israeli currency. Yeah, it's sure. crazy. It's crazy. Any, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah even if from here, yeah, it's like it's forty-seven thousand dollars a semester or something like no, that. No, education is insanely expensive here. Yeah, especially Berkeley. Yeah, so I couldn't afford it, and I was just all right. So what do I do? I was already like living my life and already, you know, having everything there, um, my apartment, my cat, um, <laughs> all in Tel Aviv. And I didn't want to just move for three months and then have to go back because I got like no visa. So that was basically all right. Sign up for some school and then you get or 90 day fiance. <laughs> K1 yeah, visa. That was- well, that's the modern version. This is back in the day when people actually had to do something to come here. <laughs> that's what my grandma always whispered like, Find a nice Jewish doctor. He can take care of you. And then this guitar thing will be fine. <laughs> So you so you auditioned for Berkeley and I'm I'm guessing it went well. Yeah, yeah. I got like I got the scholarship and that's it. And then I only had to pay for like living here. And uh, that's literally like a whole school by itself. That's still a lot. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's that's really yeah brave of you to go across the world and go to a place. Were you speaking English already a little bit or? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. So that that's good. Makes well, it a little so easier. How, how, how did you like it at Berkeley? Did, did you, what's your thoughts on going to a music school? I don't know. 
Um, Honestly, because my friend, I'll start with my opinion because I'm a Jew and I have to cut people off. My friend is sending his son to be a music teacher. Um, and it's a qu- he's a quarter mil in. And he's like, God, give my son a chance. And I believe that. Great. But he's like, oh, oh why wouldn't you just go to Bridgewater State and, and get a music degree? And I understand that if it's like Berkeley versus... Uh, you know, uh, generic school here that it makes a difference. But to be a music teacher, you're never going to make money ever. Whether you're from Berkeley, Harvard, like literally 17 PhDs, you're not. And if you want to learn music and if you're passionate about anything like it's art or music, you will learn it because of your passion. And we have the internet now. So where Nuno Betancourt laments that he had to actually learn his techniques just by learning them on the street, you can just go right online right now. And if I want to learn what Shani does, I just go watch her video and stare at her hands a million gazillion gajillion times. And I can do it too. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> is it worth the money? Because you got a scholarship. So like, that's kind of awesome. But there's a lot of people paying crazy amounts of money. Would you say you'd rather $120,000 or a quarter million dollars or go to music school? Well, me personally, no, for sure, no. <laughs> uh, so I think like you don't need a music degree. What can you do with like really with a music degree? That's Siobhan. <laughs> <laughs> no, but she's, I, I do agree with her because if you take a lot of people, like having a music degree on paper isn't going to guarantee you a gig or security or a job. It's not like you submit your resume to it's like having yeah. a sociology a degree from Harvard. Like, yeah, why? it's really all based and it's not even based on whether you can perform. I, so I totally relate. You know, it's like you can be great, but then there are all these other elements like, oh, like even us, like me having gone to classical music school, like none of us in my class realized how important it would be to understand like technology and using audio processing software. Like so all the people that just Thank didn't God adapt for Brock. It, well, no, seriously. So in a lot of ways, I got lucky. You know, I was always into different types of music. But yeah, I mean, music school is always most schools, I guess, are always like 10 years behind what the actual climate is going to be when you get out. You know what I mean? So yeah. I so I understand what you're saying. D- did you did you enjoy being there? Were there any like positive things that you took out of going to music school or did it help you at least integrate into like a community of musicians? No. <laughs> so, so you two weren't thumbs a fan. down <laughs> weren't a fan oh no not really <laughs> so what you was your experience like Saturday there Saturday nights in Faneuil Hall with all the cool boys um no because when you go to college at 26 and you're sitting in class with 17 and 18 year olds <laughs> that's kind of like first of all like you're somewhere else in your life and second of all so like socially i didn't really like hang out with like my classmates after sure. class. that makes sense <laughs> i would like <laughs> more yes. i know that's kind of mean but i would just like think wow like i was so different at that age like in israel but no, I, it was, so that part was kind of like weird. I have a, maybe three or four close friends um, who are actually from the, like a bit older students. Um, but socially it was, you know, not very. And besides that, I also learned sound engineering and I suck at it. 
<laughs> and halfway like into like my degree is actually in sound engineering like first of oh all oh my god no way in hell i'll ever go clean toilets for six months before someone like <laughs> let me touch pro tools like i like that much oh man Why'd well, that yeah, that makes yeah, sense. What 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 inspired you to go for sound engineering was that? And why I'm, don't you have a microphone for fuck's sake? <laughs> <laughs> you sound engineer from Berkeley School of Music doesn't have a goddamn microphone. At first, I'm like, oh, she's adorable. She's a great guitarist. Of course, she's like a luddite, and which, by the way, in English means you don't fucking know how to use technology. But nah, you got a degree in it. No microphone. Shame on you, shame. I got like uh, uh, what do you say? Uh, honors, like. <laughs> so you're saying you aced all your classes, but you yes, don't believe I, you're good at this. I, I, all I know is to plug my guitar, record, get it to sound decent enough to my ears at least, and pass it on. It's a glowing review for Berkeley's uh, College of Sound Engineering. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but back to the question, though. So what what inspired you to go for that? Like, was it a practical decision like they had scholarships for that specifically? Or did you actually want to go into sound engineering at the time? Yeah, I figured like I might as well learn something new. Um, mm -hmm. And I was also very shy and kind of, you know. Just yeah. So why not be an engineer? <laughs> yeah, why not? Nobody hide? wants to hang out with us. Easier <laughs> than uh, perform and play guitar. So yeah, I, I was. It was kind of like, all right, I learned something new because I already knew like all the core music classes. I tested out of that and a lot of like guitar stuff that they teach you there. So I kind of tested out of that, and I figured I'm already here. I gotta like. Have a degree. So why don't you have a microphone? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I never needed one until now. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, you're you're an active guitar player, so it, that's understandable. Um, so but I learned how to kind of like you know do my videos, record myself, uh, produce a little bit. I just I suck at mixing. Like if there's a drum kit involved, no. I hear you. Like oh yeah, I mean I'm <laughs> Yeah, except Corey, Corey like literally sends out like his mixes to like actual analog tape to fatten him up. Like, oh yeah, I just uh, I just I just did a little thing. He's got like buses already set up on like separate machines so they can yeah, just take the like drums that I set and then it just like make them immediately sound awesome. He's like, oh, here's your push up bra, your makeup, <laughs> your your filter, and like sends it back to me as a two track mix. What do you think, man? He doesn't even ask me that. He just sends it back to me. Oh, no big deal. It's little, the bass is a little bit loud. I'm like, what the fuck is up with these drums? They sound amazing. <laughs> oh, go on. <laughs> and he plays bass. Yeah. The end. All right. So, but back to Shimi. So, okay. So, um, now I don't remember where we were. <laughs> All right. So, so Berkeley, you know, was a swing and a miss. Uh, when did you decide to then head over to L.A.? Two days before my class is actually like ended. <laughs> I went there and I learned a lot more, like at least valuable stuff for me in LA in like a few months there than in two years at Berkeley. That's kind of how it works That's usually. Also, like the real world and not like. So yeah. let me say yeah. in, in synopsis for those, <clears throat> what you're saying is if you just do it, 
the Nike trademark here. Um, you can do it without having to spend $47,000 a semester in, and then plus Boston living costs, which are absolutely exorbitant to just be in a room with other musicians who don't make money either making art. How much you want it, I guess. How much uh, did you want it? Well, I guess I did a lot, like enough to, you know, to take all the shit that came like along the way. <laughs> Because yeah. you, you came from Israel, you said you wanted to play rock, but you had to sit through jazz, like, oh my god, like, that's torture enough, like, that's like waterboarding, okay? <laughs> and then meanwhile, you're like, I don't have any money, I don't, got, I don't get the shikalim that it takes <laughs> to live in Boston, because nobody does. And then, you're like, ah, whatever, I'll audition, I'll audition for these Americans, and they say, you know what? Here's a crazy scholarship. And you go there and you're like, ah, I'm antisocial. So I'll be an engineer. And <laughs> you, you kill it. And then you already know this Rome is burning. There's no reason to be in Boston. Everyone that ever matters in LA. So I'll just make sure I'm living there as opposed to all the people that leave Berkeley going, what do I do now? What school am I going to go teach like vocal instruction at? How am going to take like this, this degree and do you're anything supposed to, other You're than supposed go to drop out and form a band, well, I think, before you graduate. that's what I'm saying. You're supposed to drop out. But I feel like <laughs> leaving before you're even graduating is almost yeah. the next level because you're successful now. What, like, well, you're so successful that you're being paid to do nothing because it's COVID. <laughs> but when we want to go back so uh did you have something lined up in la uh already or was it just like i need to get to la and figure this out yeah it was like it's cold as fucking boss <laughs> not even one minute i agree like, I graduated i actually like asked all my teachers to take the final exam a week earlier so technically like days before the semester officially ended I already finished all my class, my final exams, everything. And I just, uh, I had a friend in LA who had a um, room, uh, like his roommate uh, just left. So I moved there and. Hold on. So let's just slow this down again. Just like, like Siobhan coming to my house, just like not even knowing who I am. You're just like, yeah, whatever. I already moved from Israel to Boston. Had a full scholarship to Berkeley. I'm the fuck out of this goddamn cold ass motherfucking town. Uh, you got a room in LA? Shit. I think Paul Gilbert's out there. Why don't I just go that way? Is that yeah. where we're at right now? Yeah, it was like that. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, there's this, you're so downplaying this story because it's so incredible. I mean, this is like the level That's of very, like, very un Israeli of you. I feel like Israelis are very dramatic. No, but it's a really hard move to go to a city where you maybe know one person or maybe know people and you're trying to go into music, which is already a really unstable career path. And, you know, it's it's hard. I mean, that's like that's really, really, you know, amazing that you did that. So but you obviously had a vision. So you moved to L.A. and, you know, had some knew somebody got a room, stayed there. So what happened from there? I've been told like basically I was going to say yes to anyone is going to agree to play with me because. You know, I've been told like it's a like it's nothing like Boston, especially not like Berkeley, where everyone is like student students and everything. And people don't really give you any chances unless they know you or they have like some reason to. Mm -hmm. uh, so 
basically I said yes to every gig that came my way. And there's some trash. <laughs> <laughs> what were some of those early gigs like? Like what do you have any examples of like something funny or crazy or like stupid? I actually auditioned for like I don't remember. I think a friend told me like uh, someone is looking for a female guitarist for something and they are doing auditions and so I said, all right, I'm going to go and audition. It was maybe like the first or second audition. And it was like this weird-ass model whose dad was, I don't know what he was doing. I guess he was producing her. Oh, uh, one of those. Kind of way. Yeah. Some, and, some really rich American that just wants to pretend that they're a rock star, but they're not, and now yeah. hiring a the band. example like, of someone who probably has never left L.A. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get like I don't think she even sings or or, or <laughs> anything like in music. She was very very pretty, and um, I just come there and they audition and and like the audition is basically like they tell me to jam over something, and then she asked me like if you were a vegetable or a fruit or a food, what food would it be? A kumquat. What? <laughs> I'd be a kumquat. Is that a question? Oh, I'm sorry. That was part of the story. <laughs> I've been ready to so, answer that question for so long. What, what, what did you answer? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I think I would have turned around and walked out if they said that to me. I would just be like, why am I here? I'd be like, oh, I get it now. Bye. <laughs> so that's how it's like, all right, all right. So, and I'm like all dressed up, you know, and I was like, okay, I'm totally like in the wrong place. <laughs> First off, I, I totally adhere to, to the statement. Like when someone shows, tells you who they are, believe, believe them. them. You, you know what I mean? So when someone immediately goes, I'm crazy. <laughs> and you're like, oh, you're crazy. You know what you do? you go crazier, but with a straight <laughs> face. You gotta keep a straight face. So ask me that question. Give me the if vegetable question. Any food in the world, what would it be? Beef Wellington. <laughs> no, I want to tell you why, because first off, there's a lot of layers to me. So there's phyllo. And phyllo's Greek, because you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, so my, my blood's Greek. And it's arguable, but it's kind of like, it could be a dessert, but it's also kind of hearty. Uh, I wish people listening could see. Underneath, there's <laughs> duck liver. Now, I love liver. And I think the liver does a lot for you, especially if you're an alcoholic. So symbolically, <laughs> metaphorically, allegorically speaking, the liver layer of that's like subcutaneous to that. Like, I could go on for a long time. And I probably would do that until they were all sufficiently creeped out. That and actually then, would have been a very good reaction to this particular person. You probably yeah. got the gig. Yeah. <laughs> I wish you were there. You're like, we were looking for a female guitarist, but you you know what? We like your spunk. I am female. <laughs> the same with the straight face. That's the point. It's like you just you didn't know that? I just used yeah. the girls' room. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so obviously at a certain point you landed on a gig or an audition or something that led to another thing, or you know, what what would you consider was like the first big 
don't want to say big break, but like first exposure to something that was like on the path of what you wanted to do? Well, I got to play like I played some female tribute bands. Uh, that was a fun way to make money, honestly, because what bands? Let's what what tribute bands did you play in? I played uh, with um, the Iron Maidens. I subbed twice for uh, yes. Who's uh, your favorite Maiden guitarist? My favorite Maiden guitarist. Yeah, if you're learning a solo from Janet Gers, Adrian Smith, or Dave Murray. Who? I, Adrian Smith. That's who I played. That's my boy. <laughs> okay, so the Iron Maidens. Um, I played uh, with uh, Guns N' Roses tribute band earlier called Paradise Kitty. Um, <laughs> Meow. <laughs> I like Wolf Laugh. And um, I uh, almost. What's your favorite uh, Guns tune to perform? None of them. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Let's, let's, let's move on. Oh, okay. shit. Oh, man. <laughs> Apparently, there's some PTSD. I feel like every time we talk about Guns N' Roses, other than with David Abruzzese, there's like, a, it's like, we can't talk about this. Not only can we not talk about Axl Rose, we can't even talk about the band Guns N' Roses. All right. So, moving on from Guns N' Roses, we don't need to talk about it. So, okay. So, what, what else? I think that's pretty much it. Some like, um, uh local bands with some original songs um nothing that was very interesting nothing that was um like at some point i even i was living like in a shitty apartment and i had like three roommates and they were all assholes sorry for saying you can edit it out uh, <laughs> no, no please we, we're, <laughs> hell and I'm like only finding gigs that I don't really like that. I'm like, why the fuck am I doing this? And mm -hmm. and I'm also like, uh, yeah, so I'm just like, it doesn't even pay my rent. I can't I can't even finish like the month. So I'm just like, why am I doing this? Why did I just like trash my life in Israel? And I was teaching guitar and it was very comfy, you know, like I did make some money, like within Israeli currency. So you're still right. And, um, and I'm like, okay, so what I need to kind of like find how to, I don't know, like go like one step beyond because this is not going anywhere. Like, what do I do? Mm -hmm. And that's when I uh, kind of, um, I, I heard about an audition for Cirque for a different gig, uh, for a different show. And I auditioned for that. And then they kind of liked me, like with my audition. I didn't get that audition. When you say uh, Cirque, you mean Cirque de Soleil. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Not everybody's in. Like it's like you know, like Gen Pop. Yeah. Like if you're in Gen Pop, you don't know that you're in the Gen Pop, which is general population. I didn't know that because I've always been in Gen Pop until I met Siobhan and now I'm backstage. So she it's not because I'm cool, it's because she won't go out otherwise. <laughs> oh my gosh. So anyway, so okay, so you you, you took this audition, they liked you. Yeah, and they kept like offering me auditions and by email, like just like sending me a random email saying, Hey, would you want to be a doctor for this and this production? 
Yes. Yes, yes. Just like take me from this fucking hole I'm in. <laughs> and and then they are like, all right, then like send us a video audition. And that's what I do. And I never hear back. And a couple months later, it's like the same circle starts again, but not a word. And it's like also you see with the email address to complete different person. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you don't hear back, but they just like a couple months, a few months later, they offer you this like something else. Until that uh, Michael Jackson show came, when that came, first I texted Neely and I was like, hey, did you leave? Neely Brosh, just so you know, her her roommate was in that, um, the Cirque du Soleil, Michael Jackson, and now has left, not because of any other reason than she's now with Danny Elfman. I texted her to make sure I'm not like stealing her gig. Uh, wouldn't do that for many people, but uh, yes, <laughs> her. so uh, once she said, uh, No, I left already, I'm like, All right, I'm going for it. And then I um, I sent the video, and I'm like, I don't care if I hear back this time. At this point, I was just like, I'm just doing that video, and Whatever. You're emotionally removed. You're like, I'm I'm used to living in a shithole in LA. Yeah. <laughs> I've given yeah. up all the cushy whatever in the land of milk and honey and olives on the side of the street uh, street <laughs> everywhere with with great yeah. topography to live in this shithole that is LA. It's over for me. And uh, then they called me like and they said like we want to bring you to Vegas to do an audition at the theater. Uh so I came to Vegas and that was like the day before I played in Washington with the Iron Maidens because I subbed for Courtney. And then I came back to wa- from Washington to LA, unpacked and repacked. And like the next morning I was already in Vegas. And that was that was a very cool weekend or week, whatever it was. And then I did the audition for, I, I got there. Um, I watched the show the night before the audition, and then like the ne- the next morning I auditioned. Um, it was really like I was so nervous. <laughs> and the funny thing is, so there's the heels thing, all right? Because we play on like huge, the high the heels, the high yeah. heels like golden. So they want you to. Um, they want you to come and bring heels and audition on heels and play like the whole solo on heels. And they tell you like during the audition, like, can you walk here from like while they're playing? Can, the you, can you chase, can you chase Michael Jackson around like Steve Stevens <laughs> uh, in your heels? So I didn't have like heels. And right before, like between the flights, I go, uh, to Target, like <laughs> just around the block, okay, and I just grabbed whatever highest heels that were on the shelf. I didn't even try it. I just like went <laughs> whatever like was my size. Totally not an American female. And it was <laughs> such ugly shoes, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh my god, okay." 
and I'm gonna leave the tag and I'm gonna return that thing because I don't even I don't I don't even want to donate that. It's so ugly, okay? Return it to wherever after I finish that audition, and uh, and then I go do that audition, and I, I didn't notice until I left. Like I totally left the theater, but I was bleeding. Oh. Like all over like those reels so i just trashed him but <laughs> that's wow. that's pretty rock and roll I didn't yeah. <laughs> so there's a there's a few things we've learned about this so one always be ready we've talked about that yeah. because you went from the iron maidens to uh into vegas just like boom lickety split then you went to target and got disgusting shoes now we should always know that fashion trumps comfort so if you're going to fucking buy shoes buy some goddamn shoes that are worth bleeding for because you just told me that you want to donate that shit and what i took from that story was why didn't she get fucking good shoes because if you're going to return them or if you're going to bleed on them let them say valentino so obviously you got the gig so you know you, you they what happened when you left you know you you did your audition on stage and then how long was it before you found out the results a month or two yeah, yeah. Wow! Now, were okay. they putting you up up, up in in Vegas? Or were you back in LA? It was like the minute I finished the audition, I packed my guitar and went on the flight, went back home. They're like bye! <laughs> wow! Yeah, no, that was the flight. They actually booked it like that, so I was like, I didn't even have too much time. So you went back and just kind of resumed life in LA, and then obviously you found out that you got this. So at that point, you just moved to, to Vegas? Yeah, they um, they said like they'll be putting me to live in a hotel for the next, uh, for the first month or two and like you have two months, about two months or a month of training. It's mostly makeup training <laughs> and uh, <laughs> which is like, it's very cool because you do the makeup yourself. Uh, oh wow, that, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so you train, you get to know the stage, the whole production. It's like a really, it's huge, you know, so many people involved and um, like. Do you, you know, have fun walking around with your wireless pack just shredding through the giant PA system? Yeah, yeah. And you get, uh, it was my first time uh, working with in-ears and uh, wireless uh, like that. And um you don't have to worry about switching. You know, you have like axe effects that's mm -hmm. connected to a time code. Uh, so it so do they have all your tones set for you and everything? Or yeah, and and you can't change anything. You know, yeah. it's like it changes. So your guitar tech is literally like five twelve protocol. Yeah, essentially everything's locked to to a click track, including the mm -hmm. lights and the and the sounds and everything. Yeah, that sounds that sounds nice. You don't have to worry about you know pedal tapping <laughs> yeah, you get spoiled well it probably probably works well in Cirque du Soleil because it's a massive product it's Brock has the same thing with uh star set everything's in his Kemper is like whatever time coded so that mm. the things switch he but, would well yeah but then there's a problem if you don't have a guitar tech and it doesn't switch properly <laughs> does he then you're in the, the wrong same, tuning does he hook it into the same computer he hooks your BMW in to like reset uh, the time code so that all your stuff turns <laughs> off <laughs> not even gonna answer that <laughs> but anyway that's i mean 
that sounds amazing. So you went from, you know, being in kind of what you considered a shitty situation in L.A. She to was living being in a in hole Vegas. in L.A. with a bunch of fucking yeah. shitty roommates with a bunch of animals. And like, look, <laughs> L.A. is really nice in a lot of places. And then there are a lot of places that are not nice. Like there's called Holly Weird for a bunch of reasons. And they have a bunch of scary people that live there and do things. And when you have a climate that's conducive to people that don't have homes, which is a very sad condition. And I, I'm not making fun of it. But there's some fucking weird ass motherfuckers that have lived that way for a very long time roaming around as denizens of the streets of LA and she's begging because you know what in Israel it's really nice they call it Yerushalayim Shel Zahab because Jerusalem everything is actually made up like golden stone and it actually it looks from the hills it's beautiful everything there is beautiful and then all of a sudden she's in LA where you're, you think there's palm trees and all that and there's just a Vons and a Starbucks and a bunch of fucking lighters on the side of the street and you're playing at the fucking Whiskey A Go-Go next to some like fucking crazy dance party EDM thing that's out around the corner. Meanwhile, you're playing Blink-182 to nobody. And then she gets a call from Vegas. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Thanks, Benny, for that. No problem. All right, so you get the gig. You're in Vegas. All right, so so what was it like? How was that? Like getting adjusted? What, you know, how... How is the show? How is Cirque du Soleil? How are the people? Like, what's it like? Uh, it's really amazing. It's like family, first of all. Like, they really make you feel at home. And and right away, like, how they get you, like, the whole cast and, um, like, the stage management. Everyone is just, like, taking care of you. So I was... Uh, First, I was like, wow, first time, like, someone's not trying to screw me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, so... I don't um, know that. I don't know that. Um, but they are, like, really amazing. There is, like, the best athletes and acrobats in the world uh, on every Cirque du Soleil show. And these, like, us musicians are, like who are on the shows are nothing compared to what these guys do. Um, so that's like, that's a real thing. Like the musicians are just like a little decoration, I think. What's uh, it like to, to interact with those type of people? I mean, is there, do they have, is there a certain person? Cause if anyone to paint a picture have seen Cirque du Soleil, you have um, early, uh, so one of my, my, my friends, Michael, is uh, an aerialist. Um, he was on the German dance team. He was with Britney Spears and Justin Bieber, but now he's with Cirque du Soleil or was with Cirque du Soleil for a while. And um, you have to be completely crazy. He can hold his whole body out to the side, like no big deal. Could do like, act, like literally looks like a Mortal Kombat, but like in real life where he can like flip and just like jump off things and then do sash figures with his, his, his whole body. And then turn into a chair with another person holding him and like flip down and his calisthenic abilities as far yeah, as being incredible. able to like uh, his core strength is unbelievable. And you see these people, they're like magicians, they're contortionists, they're like total like American athlete, not American athlete. They're just athletes like what they're are very they impressive. like and what, very what's impressive, the family yes. like to be in? And what do they look at musicians like? Because I find there's a lot of people that are athletes like Pauli Calafiore who's blown away by rock stars or whatever whereas like we're blown away by him as a as an Olymp olympian you know what i mean or a possible olympian what do you think what were they like with musicians what was it all like the dynamics backstage at cirque de soleil michael jackson 
but are super sweet and like from the very first minute you get there they're, they're excited to have someone new because because it's the people like you work with every day that's the people like you because they were sick of neely and they're like ah oh, now there's other girls here and she's cooler no and there was actually uh one uh one more girl shirin uh, she's a great she from Hebrew from Hebrew. Is she from Israel? <laughs> no, she's not. Uh, she is from uh, Sweden, I think. So uh, again, we were saying this earlier, but Michael Jackson, who what was the name of the girl that played with him in like the 90s with the crazy blonde hair? What was her name? Jennifer oh. Batten. Right. So Michael Jackson and then Orianthi was playing. But what he did is like was going to do his last tour. So now we have like a bunch of shred. Awesome, and by shred, I mean just like fantastic female guitar players that have come down the line of Michael Jackson. I didn't know that. Yeah. I tip my hat to all of you. Thanks so much. <laughs> so uh, it's really like it's really fun. You just spend there, like spend the whole day there, um, because it's two shows a day, and it's so um, uh, like repetitive. You know, it's like, it's basically a day job. You get there at 5, 5.30 p.m., put your makeup on, show starts, and you play shows. So, like, you get friends with the people right away, you know, just like you're in each other's ass all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Super nice people, uh, super, like, uh, inspiring kind of, like, to see people, so many people, who are so good at what they do and it's so unusual because um, I mean they are way cooler like we can play guitar or, or or sing or play drums or do whatever but they do way cooler stuff they like bungee jump and flip <laughs> like according to the beat and and wow. like they they like the amount of physical effort they like they take they do like they have to take out on stage it's like super cool yeah what is it what's a typical schedule like for you is it is it how many shows a day and how many days a week it's two shows a a day um one at 7 p.m i can't believe i'm starting to forget it because it's (laughs) like (laughs) so long since like since march basically when there's no shows yeah um, so one is seven, 7 PM and one is uh nine 30 PM. Uh, and then that's it. And it's five days a week and on busy times of the year, it's six days a week. Wow. Wow. So th- this is, this is kind of a, a different, uh, world than, than, you know, the standard touring act that, you know, has like, you know, a new show in a different venue, you know, all over the place. So, um, how, how do like rehearsals work? Is that something where you only rehearse when there's like a new element or a new member or are the performances becoming rehearsals because you're doing them twice a day, every day? There is only rehearsals if something changes mm. or if uh, something needs to be like put in, you know, even like a new dancer or a new, um, you could be called for a rehearsal just because there is someone new and he needs to know where is everyone is standing on stage at some moment at some on some specific track um 
but there hasn't been like rehearsals on music because basically it's me and playbacks and mm-hmm. a singer who's sitting like on the moon that's hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> she's been there for like three hours and she's singing. Um, so this is basically a solo show with you and an iPod and a singer. <laughs> hold on i i this is how i know cirque de soleil makes so much money they pay they pay like the the gymnasts and the aerialists or whatever and then for the music they're like eh we'll put a computer but we'll make it look live enough we'll get this pretty girl that can shred on guitar and then this awesome uh singer and that's the band so we were you were talking about rehearsal, preparing for shows. What was it like when you, you know, you told us a little bit in the last episode, I believe, about, you know, you showed up and you had a lot of like training on just how to prepare yourself, like your makeup and everything. What in terms of the music, like what was rehearsal like or preparation leading up to your first show? Basically, like maybe one rehearsal or two for each song I'm playing. How many songs? Uh, seven. Okay. <laughs> songs, not even full songs. Uh, and um, so it was more like of the rehearsal was not about the music. Yeah. It was not about me like rehearsing how to play it or, you know, it was me like getting one time to play it in an empty theater to maybe feel a bit more comfortable and at first, like the first shows that I play, like the first week or maybe two were, oh my God, these shows were scary as fuck and sorry. <laughs> and they were like, I was so nervous. These shows were not my best shows. <laughs> um, but Did they get mad at you? Do they even know if you fuck up? No. Or they're just like the aerialist did something bad in the third song and they have to readjust something? No, and also like if there is a, the sound crew is also watching you. Uh, so if you break a string, for example, in the middle of the solo uh, or in the middle of the show or anything like that, you will turn your guitar down and turn up like the backing track. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know? So basically, if like so- if you you just have to play air guitar to your to your own track if you fuck up a string. Yeah, but like you, it's not, you don't have that like set in, in your head when the first time you like fuck up. <laughs> Shouldn't you? Because like if you have a whammy, right? Like to say you have a bad saddle or something like that, you're like, fuck it. I don't want to learn in the closet. Not tonight. Boom. Do a dive bomb. It breaks off. They're like, oh, we have to do the, we have to make all of it a backing track. And then all you got to <laughs> do is mine. Because I could be an air guitarist for Michael Jackson. One time. When I broke a string on uh, uh, on the last note, last <laughs> like beat of the last band of uh, the solo of the last show. So you're playing. You said seven songs. Is that the set? Yeah. So of- seven songs twice a night for five, sometimes six nights a week. Um, there's like there's a balance between like different kinds of shows. Uh, you have people that play like, like what I, what I do a lot. I do like the, the three hour bar and club gigs where you're playing, you know, 60, you know, 50, 60 song set list. And it kind of changes every week. Um, you have like Siobhan who's going around touring on like a, a headliner set, which how long is that? An hour, hour and a half. Yeah. About an hour and a half. 
Um, and you do that for a few months, maybe at a time. Yeah. Uh, and, and bands like that, I know from talking to people is at, by the end of that tour, you don't want to hear those songs anymore. So how do you feel after like several weeks or months of playing that set list? How do you, do you, how do you keep it fresh and how do you keep from like going out of your mind? Some, some, like some songs I can do my own th thing, like my own solo over it. Some songs like beat it. Uh, you gotta play. You can't make your own solo. You gotta yeah. legendary one. Can't fuck with Frankenstein. <laughs> um, so you know, some songs I kind of like do my own thing, which I tried to do. Um, what the person that was there before me did, like something in the same spirit. And um, what song was that? Even black or white, like all songs. When I just got there, I just uh, kind of like heard the recordings because uh, actually Greg Howe recorded all the guitars for them, all the guitar tracks for us. Uh, oh, he's, 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 he's a nobody. Yeah. I didn't even know that Greg Howe did that. That's but crazy. They, they, they did not give me those recordings. <laughs> they gave me recordings of uh, the first girl that did the music, the girl that did that before Neely did. Mm. Uh, Gina Gleason, she's, uh, I think that's her last name. Um, and uh, so I never heard like Greg Howe's recordings. He's uh, ridiculous. He's ridiculous. It makes I so much sense. I only did later, um, um, but I did like some similar stuff to what I heard. So was there like a sweet spot where you said the first few performances, like you were nervous as hell? So I'm guessing that like eventually it kind of becomes you know muscle memory, right? Yeah, and also like with your nerves and how nervous you are. And like, I think first show right before the, the solo, the pyro goes. Yeah. And I, I guess I jumped and I dropped the pick a oh, second no. before. <laughs> oh no. And I can't even like stick around to look for it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because like right now at this very moment in like two bars, I gotta be stepping to the beat, to the center of the stage and start like the solo. And that's like my second or first show <laughs> for like ever. Yeah. And I just dropped my pick and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> so fuck. what happened? There's never been a bigger F word. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I was just like, what can I do? I'm going to play the solo without the pick. Like half of it is tapping anyway. And it's just the ending that's gonna like sound a little bit bummer, but yeah, a little more legato. Yeah, I, I got fire coming out of my guitar at the same moment. So, <laughs> oh my god! So hold on, but this is such a, a testament to being the right place at the right time because they don't give a fuck at Cirque du Soleil if you suck at it, unless like because unless you really really make a thing. And you're going up there and you're scared out of your mind. You drop your pick in the dark, and what do you do? You're a professional. You go out there and you take your licks, and you want to know what? I bet you ninety eight percent of it. Everybody, nobody noticed except like maybe one nerd like me. She's like, why isn't she playing with the pick? He's tremolo picking it at the end of the song. Yeah, no, and adjusting quickly. That, that when she said she broke a string, it reminded me of a story when I, you know, we have these interludes that the string players play and I broke a string like right at the end On of the cello? song before. <laughs> 
No, I like hit a have like a note and so somehow something on my bow like completely snapped one of my strings. Oh, wow. And I have this solo to play that's like up like kind of on one of the higher strings, and it was the high string that broke. Ouch. And I was like for a second, it was the same thing as like I had two bars to like decide what to do. And it's like, um, okay, am I gonna like just pretend that I'm doing something else and like not the normal solo? And I, I was like, no, I just like did it on the other string. But yeah, I mean those <laughs> those moments are crazy. It seems to always happen when you don't want it to. <laughs> I usually just yeah. yell at my brother and then make a scene in front of everybody and make an entire <laughs> club uncomfortable all at once. And my mom was like, we, we, sh- we can't do this outside the house. They're going to start thinking about us. And then like our neighbor's like, why did I come to the show? Like, We put you on the list. Shut the fuck up. I even gave you a drink ticket. So, anyways, obviously that show hasn't been happening since what you said March. So, like, but I think by the time this episode comes out, it'll be almost a year. Um, so, what are you, what are you doing? What are you, what are you doing yeah. to keep busy? <laughs> been doing some YouTube covers. Um, I was lucky to take part in uh, Ellison's last release, uh, no cover. David Ellison. David Ellison from Megadeth. Yeah. Let's, so let's talk about right that. How, how did that happen? Because obviously you were a fan growing up and, you know, how did he find you or like, how did this connection get made? I think a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, when uh, when I first uh, subbed for CC for the Maidens, um, that's kind of how I don't, I, that connection was made, like just on Instagram. Um, and then um after when actually when i just started with cirque uh he had the chance like he almost had a chance to come see me play but it didn't work out like last minute which i'm actually happy because it was the first two weeks so (laughs) (laughs) you know probably turn out for the best um but um yeah and then basically last um when was it june yeah last june um he just uh te- like texted me well first he texted me to like ask me to take part in uh, schools out that was like to help uh, teach kids uh, that were uh, like displaced from school activities uh because of covid uh but then a couple a couple months later uh he just called and he said hey did andy talk to you about uh taking part like uh playing in no cover and like a minute five minutes earlier five minutes like earlier Cirque du Soleil was like we're going bankrupt we won't be back until next year that's in june right and i'm like you know we're in this quarantine for three months i think i have a feeling They will be back soon. Like, I think it's about time. Like, I had no idea. They had a lot of fun. Just like every, you know, live uh, company, venue, all that. Sure. They're having financial yeah. problems because what they were doing to make ridiculous money is now immediately just halted because the world had to stop, you know, and mm-hmm. it's crazy. And like no one in our time, um, unless you're like alive in like 19, what, 10, 11, has, <laughs> has seen Something no one with a podcast crazy yeah. like this. Yeah. No one with a podcast. You know, I've seen Haley's comment. Um, so I think it's it, first off, it's just completely crazy because I think one of the things that's very interesting is we all come from very, very different musical worlds. Like Siobhan is classical. She plays in a rock band, but 
a lot of classical private performances and playing with an orchestra. You are putting on, like, you came from Israel, played some gigs in L.A. with some misanthropes, but, like, whatever, we don't know. Um, and then, like, immediately went to a place where you, you have uh, your sounds being changed by a computer. you got to <laughs> move across the stage. There's pyro, you know, and, and you're literally playing holy music to people in front of large crowds multiple times a night. And then you have Corey who's playing 60 songs where, you know, you have a whole bar and some people, sometimes they're totally critically judging you. And other times it's like you could literally suck and it doesn't they're usually, matter. They're usually blackout drunk. Yeah, <laughs> but, but it's a lot of music to know. And it's a, it's a whole different shtick where you have to be, uh, you know, in charge of it. And then there's me who I basically sit in my studio all the time and like talk to people that are super talented. And I go, yeah, you're as good as Bumblefoot who you play on. Uh, or play on play with um, on David Ellison's record like if you couldn't get a, a better guitarist he played we were graced to have him on Lost Symphony which we're in but continue on with your story so he he contacted you to be on his project and how did it work from there it was a huge honor it, it felt like surreal I was like is this a, like is this day even real <laughs> even happening and uh and then just a couple days later he sent me the track and i recorded like uh recorded a solo over it they just sent me like a playback and then i sent um send the di back i was super like nervous because i was like oh my god i'm gonna be like doing trade-offs with bumblefoot and animarch and jelly and and they are amazing i can't even you know, I was like, what am I going to do? Because I'm, I'm not a very, like, fast player. I can't play super fast. Like, my my alternate picking is not, like, though I don't have, I can't do all those, like, super insane, crazy speed, like, clicks and runs. Yeah. <laughs> no? I was like, what? What do I do? Because they are, they are, like, truly, like, masters. I can't even, like understand what i'm hearing and and i'm just like all right i'm just should i like i'm I'm gonna try play as fast as i can but also like you know keep it in taste like not just try to be so like all that staying in your lane like a 15 year old kid with some napkins you know and, and <laughs> well when you're playing against bubblefoot right and andy like you if you're going to play fast, you got to play it right. Or otherwise those guys, cause, cause Bumblefoot doesn't even need frets. He's just like Siobhan. He doesn't even need frets to fucking yeah, I did rock like, out. I did like, you know, as fast as I could. More or less. It sounds yeah. great. Oh, musically. And then you I go check out no cover. David Ellison like, featuring Shanique. I'm playing whole notes comparing to what they do. Yeah. Like, same. <laughs> it's good though. It's a nice dynamic, you know? Truly amazing. Uh, no, so obviously, I'm. You know, you have a long career ahead of you, and you've done some amazing things. You also have an EP, which I was checking out before we got on today, and it's it's super cool. Like, I didn't really know what to expect, of course, you know, because I don't cool. know a lot about you, but you know, I, I listened to it. And I'm like, wow, this is like it's got like some cool, just like riffy stuff, like electronic, like very, uh, yeah, it's like super upbeat and interesting. Can you talk a little bit about? Like where, you know, how you got your ideas for that, when you did it, like where you were at in your life, like what, wh how did this project, you know, how'd you decide to do that? Um, I just like, I wrote these tunes and uh, like, 
totally different times and um i don't know i think like the third one i probably did like when i was 16 or 17 just like grabbed the guitar and kind of like recorded that uh and uh then there was another i think like space cats i wrote like just like one riff a few years ago or like i don't know one riff on guitar guitar pro okay like in yeah. me uh and then learn how to play it later and um it's a common method. The second part, like I just like added like two seconds before I released the EP because I needed to finish the song and I was missing a song. But it was all written in uh, different times. And uh, for Berkeley, for the final project for the uh, engineering, like sound engineering, kind of have to do like a short EP. So I. So that I was like how you graduated? Was that yeah. EP? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so um, I took like three tunes. Uh, two were in the EP later. One was not. I uh, completely, totally ruined them. Uh, I did record like, uh, record it like in the Berkeley studios, which are like super high quality. Yeah, those things, they're amazing. I've been so, in there. Yeah, so that was like I got to use the gear and recorded like in amazing studios I'll never have access to, like all the yeah. parts and whatever. Um, my uh, ex boyfriend at the time, he's a drummer, so and a really great one. And uh, he drum he drummed uh, on uh, one song, and the second one he programmed the drums. Mm -hmm. um, and then. Um, I mixed it for my final project and it sounded like shit. The day I played it in class, which was the last class, I was like, oh my God, thank God this is the last class and I'll never have to like face the shame of seeing these people ever again. Like after, after like sitting here and playing this horrible thing that I did myself and and that's like to my own music, you know? So yeah, that was <laughs> terrible. But then I, uh, I don't remember. I think I got like some beer or something for like, you know, the good intention. <laughs> 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 and I think the teacher was kind of like being nice to me and, um, and that's it. And then I did wanna, I did wanna do the EP and finish it and make it right. So when I wasn't under like the pressure of a last semester, when I'm taking like 14 credits and kind of like you know doing some, I don't know. The last semester was super busy, so I also like you don't have time to even like do all the homework and projects that you get. And even like, sure. so uh, I wanted to do it without like the time crunch and without being stressed and without having to be graded for well, it. Well, maybe your professor yeah. was nice to you about it because they saw that you learned the lesson by the look on your face. Because part of the lesson of doing that is, especially if you mix stuff, is playing it for other people and then being horrified. Yeah. <laughs> Like, especially if when they're not even giving you the look of they're 
disgusted as you are disgusted or think that they should be disgusted by your music. Yeah. And this, especially when it's your own music, because it's like if you put on your makeup all fucked up, and you walked out and just put your lipstick all over your face, but it's your face. It could have looked so much better, but you decided to do this instead. So like, that's part of the lesson. So I think that if you emoted with your face as, as you should have, then your teacher was like, yeah, I don't need to beat her up. She just literally beat up herself and said, I got to do this all over again. And the fact that you went and did it all over again instead of just throwing it away, which is also a totally valid thing to do because I do that all the time, um, <laughs> is very important for people to remember because, you know, you didn't, even though they were nice to you, you realized that it was about making it better and that it wasn't where it needed to be. And having that look of horror and that feeling of horror in front of people, I think is a super important uh, <laughs> I'm horrified. Experience. I'm horrified every time I send out a mix. So <laughs> Yeah. That I terror. don't usually attempt to mix because when I do, my husband comes in and he's like, did you think this sounds good? And I'm like, I mean, Corey, obviously I did because Corey I'm playing mix, it for you. Corey sent a mix of one of our Slay at Home songs and it, I had done a different vocal thing and I was so horrified I had to go home and re-sing it. I had to, I had to. I literally like told my 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 friend, I was like, dude, I gotta go. I literally have to go right now. I was like, what? I have I to like, go I need, sing I need to something. Sing, I need to sing Van Halen. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, Corey sent me a mix and it bummed me out a lot. So like and then you I didn't went even on. try to make an excuse like, oh, I'm sick or like, yeah. oh, no. I, I don't feel I good. Like, it's like, no, I need to leave right song. now to sing Van Halen. It's I terrible. need to go right now. I cannot. And not and not just that. We, My friend Golar sang the vocals. And if I'm going to be trading off lyrics with that dude who's incredible, you best believe like I better bring it. But I was like, I was upset. I was like, you, I can't even. I was mad at Corey that he even sent it out to everybody. But the mix sounded have, great. The mix did sound good. <laughs> He turned a blind eye. Or maybe he just wanted to roast me in front of everybody. He'd be like, maybe Ben needs to go home. He elicited the response he expected from me, going, oh, I'll just send this to everybody on this chain. And then Ben I got, will just I got run new home vocals in four it. hours. It was great. Oh, yeah, no, it was immediately. I literally oh went gosh. home, I like, had a panic attack, and then fucking sent um, you everything. So I think, I think the, the EP now sounds great. So that's good that that, that, that came about. And I think everyone should check it out, uh, Escape Velocity. Um and before we wrap up, because we're actually coming up. Shanique Kimmelman. To, yeah. Uh, Shanique Dot Kimmelman on YouTube. I wanted to get to this a little earlier, but, uh, you know, like you said, the uh, the Cirque du Soleil gig isn't going to be your final resting place. Like, what's your dream gig? Like, what do you like really want to do with your career? Like, if you, if you could have any gig in the world, would it be doing your original music or would it be, you know, joining up with a, with, with a big touring act? Or, or where do you see yourself, you know, in an ideal 10 year situation? Probably performing as much as possible, like, and um, I don't know if, like, always traveling, but I love performing, like, I love playing and being on stage, so whether it's my music or other people's music is not as important to me as just to, mm -hmm. like, have this experience, and it's like what i what i want to be doing rather than i don't know being a recording like you know like recording guitarist or or a teacher or um i don't know anything just like be on stage so that's one thing i plan on finding a way to like keep doing so it sounds like you're in the right gig now <laughs> i have absolutely no choice I'll teach some guitar too. I did that in Israel and I was like, nope, I'm not going to do it 
in in the U.S. Like I'll be a waitress, but I won't eat guitar <laughs> in the U.S. just because I did it so much in Israel, and I was teaching first graders, like the first. I've been there. You know, how to hold like it's, a tiny it, guitar? So that and means that we you my, totally teach me then. Yeah, they never it, wanted to play guitar. It's the parents who need like a, an hour, like, and did not have a babysitter, yep. so they the like, same reason I don't teach anymore. Guitar lesson. I did that yeah. for eight years, six days a week, eight days, eight hours a day. <gasps> yeah, that's no way. That's insanity. That's, that's insanity. also why I don't take lessons anymore because I can't be around first graders every time I'm waiting to take a lesson. It pisses me off. I fucking hate those kids. But that's no, but that's really interesting that you said that, though, because I think th there are probably a lot of people who would say that 100 percent they want to be performers, yet they are teaching full time, you know, and I think it's really easy to get trapped because it is secure. And that's mm -hmm. kind of the first thing that you'll go to when it's like you don't know if you're going to get a gig and you think, OK, I'm going to teach. And then one thing leads to another. And all of a sudden you're teaching six days a week, eight hours a day. And you're too tired and you don't have the energy or the capacity to actually play and to put yourself out there. So, I mean, that was really important that I think you made that choice because that's probably part of the reason that you are a performer, you know? Yeah, that was kind of like enough for me. And and I know like in Israel, it's not like, like I had that security, but I didn't want to like be comfy with that. Like, you know, because kind of gotta, you got to kind of like leave your comfort zone or whatever you call it to. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it, like it's very easy to just get sucked into it, and and it's commitment. You know, you you don't just like go for one lesson and that's it. I mean, it it starts. You commit for a whole year if it's a school or a few months if it's like people have been telling me I should be committed all of my life. <laughs> yeah, I don't. People tell you that. I don't get it either. He, he had to fit one more awful joke in before the end of this episode. <laughs> I don't want to do that for sure. Yeah. No, I think that's that's a good call. I guess I have no choice, but... Nah, stay away from it. <laughs> yeah. It's a, no, it's a, I, it, I agree. It's a Jenny, soul killer. I appreciate, I appreciate you coming into our danger zone, um, Kenny Loggins style, and letting us you know get to know you and dissect you a little bit because I think it's... First off, super cool that you, you, cause I've been to Israel. It's very far away and it's a totally different world out there and everything from culturally and all that. So to, to, to culturally, uh, the culture shock, as far as, uh, going from Israel to Boston and then the culture shock, even going from Boston to LA and then the culture shock from going from LA to Vegas. Cause sure. everybody knows that those different towns, I mean, I'm sure Siobhan's like, Oh, I've been there 37 times. So I totally <laughs> get it. Um, that's a lot. And the, and the fact that you went from thinking in Israel, I should do this, to getting a scholarship to Berklee School of Music, to playing Michael Jackson, the king of freaking pop, in Cirque du Soleil, which is arguably one of the craziest shows that like everybody should go see. Like, And I can't wait till this, all this shit's over and we can go. Because I, I will be front row in Vegas. Like, That's the next place I'm going when I can totally go. Yeah, I that's wanna, a, it's I, a massive gig. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. that, I yeah. mean, that's just incredible. But it, I, I, it's... It, People say, hey, have you made it? When have you made it? All this sort of stuff. And it's really interesting to be on this call with all these people because 
the way that you've made it, it's completely different than the way Siobhan's made it. It's completely different than the way Corey hasn't made it, the way I have not made it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and for us to be even have the, the ability to understand what you're doing, because what we try to do is help people that are listening uh, understand what it takes to make it. And like you literally pointed at the television and just said, I need to do this and rock and roll and like ended up in Boston, said it's too cold here, ended up in LA, played with the Iron Maidens. Next day you're in Vegas. Next day you're, you're back. Then next day you're back to Vegas in like a month and then you're playing the show. And they're like, here's the backing tracks. Here's play Michael Jackson. And they don't even care if you have a pick. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure at all. It's so funny, though, because I feel like once you get that first big gig, that's when you feel like it just began. You know, at least that's how I feel. You know, it's like you have all this time that you struggle and you work really hard and you're like, okay, when am I going to get this thing that's going to make me I feel- can't wait till it begins. <laughs> yeah, it's a call Dustin no, and let him know thing. that I need, I need to have my beginning. <laughs> but that's, no, but that's, that's what's cool. And, you know, I'm sure you'll have like a, a really long, successful career because I feel like, you know, one thing opens your eyes to the next thing and every experience you learn something and it's it's so cool to learn from you and like the things that you've accomplished and gone through to get to where you are and where you're going so yeah it's awesome to talk to you guys so much for having me you are like all amazing this is you know like well like this is the socials we get ever like even in (laughs) real life this is it (laughs) we don't we don't Corey and i don't i haven't seen Corey in months in person like i called him today i was like maybe we should get together in a room and even, you know, with masks and like containment systems and shit um, <laughs> to get the record done. But I can, I can already hear his voice on the other side being like, but we can we're, we're, we're getting successful at this, at working autonomous from one another. And <laughs> when people say like this is the new way of life, I've adjusted to this way of life. And I'm hoping I don't ever have to go back to the other way of life because I don't know how to live it anymore. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> but uh, Escape Velocity by Shani Kimmelman. Uh, make sure you guys check it out and uh, make sure you check out her social media, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Shani. all those fun Kimmelman on YouTube. Go check her. You play some Racer X, which by the way, is like, and you play on Paul Gilbert's guitar. I wanted to ask you that before you left. How the fuck did you get your hands on a 1989 prototype Paul Gilbert guitar? Because when I used to watch Paul Gilbert, the solo he plays, like the, the live solo in Japan or whatever, is on this exact um, guitar. Yes. The exact same guitar and if you look at my video after i told you that and you look at the neck of the guitar you like it all makes sense you know you're like yep it's the exact same guitar wow how did it happen how did you touch that guitar uh it belongs to an ex-boyfriend who was not a drummer (laughs) who was a guitar player apparently and um that was like way way back like uh, i think uh almost 15 years ago that was a very trusting boyfriend i mean like if if cindy was like hey can i play your paul uh, paul gilbert guitar i'd be like why don't you ask if you could put my baby in boiling water oh what's wrong God. with you don't touch I'm that thing. Sure don't even look at, don't look at it don't look at it don't look at it on no, the I'm baby kidding. boiling comment note uh <laughs> you guys have been 2020 <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kimmelman on YouTube. Yeah. yeah, on on YouTube, playing Paul Gilbert, literally, arguably the hardest, craziest shit on the planet. Except she nails it. Nailed it, twenty twenty. 
Thanks as always for checking out this episode of 2020. Please go to 2020-d.com. Like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. This week's throwback clip is from episode number 15 with Star Sets Adam Gilbert. Check it out. Even the DJs didn't know who we were. We had a DJ in Johnson City, Missouri. I wish we had video because this place looked like an old switchboard. You're like, operator, I'll, I'll pass you through. You know, you're like putting the things up. And, and he's turning dials, cranking it up, and it's like the, the needles are twitching and it's finding the, <laughs> I, I can't, this is awesome. I can never forget this. And he sits down, he's like, all right, welcome to 107.9 The Buzz. Uh, we're here in Johnson City with uh, a band. What's your guys' name? We're like, <laughs> we're Star Set. <laughs> all right, well, this is Dave at 107.9 The Buzz, and here's a band called star set playing a song all right um one two you know we're like (laughs) you don't even know like he doesn't even care the number you have reached is 100.7 wmms it wasn't just a radio station it was a lifestyle Cleveland is is a rock and roll city for sure The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts.